Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I'm joined by award-winning historian slash Paragold citizen Eric Wright, or as the mayor calls you, the Green Hornet. Do you know anything about that? Because he just told me that. Yeah, I do, and I, <laughs> I, I disavow that, that nickname. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Glad you're able to be here. Uh, you are someone that I personally reached out to because I stumbled across um, a story that has been fascinating to me. It actually, I guess I came across it a couple of years ago, forgot about it, and then revisited it, I guess, a couple of weeks um, earlier whenever I actually reached out to you. But... Um, on Wednesday, December 29th, 1909, James Henry Trammell walked into the Elk Cafe, which today I think is occupied by uh, Bookkeeping Solutions right here in downtown Paragould in between Terry's Cafe and Cultured Man. And Trammell walks into Elk Cafe. He ends up getting into an argument with a man. We think the last name is Greg. Some say Greg. Uh, he pulls a gun on him. Shoots him in the face, obviously killing him instantly, I would imagine. Mm. And then he heads west to evade the police. Now, I think he, you know, catches a train maybe in, in Memphis, Here's, you know, but gets out to California, uh, eventually gets caught by the police, brought back to this area, escapes, and then flees the country, ends up in Australia, where he lived out the rest of his life, had a family, and as far as I know, never once... Uh, served even really a day uh, for this crime that he committed right here, about really 50 yards from where we're sitting right now. So first question I have for you is, what do we know about this guy, James Trammell? Yeah, so you're right. It's it's really an incredible story and one that, that Paragold in Greene County needs to embrace. Um, James Trammell was a, a Clay County native. He's from the small town of Greenway. Uh, he was here. Uh, in Paragold with his brother, uh, and they were more or less taking shelter from a winter storm that was hitting the area. Mm. Uh, I believe they were staying at the Stansel House Hotel, which was a two-story structure where Terry's Cafe now stands. Really? I had no idea there was a hotel. Yeah. What, what did you say it was called? The Stansel House Hotel. Okay. So... These guys, allegedly, Trammell and his brother, had been out hunting that day. They come back to the hotel, wind's blowing, snow's blowing, whatever, and just down the, the road there, down Pruitt Street, is the Elk Cafe. The Elk Cafe also had some sort of saloon in the back. And, and was this... Was this a nice cafe? Was it run down? Uh, Do we know anything about the cafe? I, there's itself? not. There's not a lot of information on it. I think, like most quote cafes of that time during Paragold's boom years, you know, it was kind of like a lunch counter, uh, gambling den, drinking place, whatever. You know, Don't smoke a good cigar. Yeah, and uh, there's some evidence that Trammell uh, also operated a saloon in Memphis. And so the information that, that I've uncovered says that for whatever reason on this little hunting trip of his, James Trammell had these flyers for his own saloon in Memphis that he was passing around. You guys want to come to a real saloon in the big yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. And when he got to this guy, Greg, Charles Greg, Greg made some sort of disparaging remark about Trammell's <laughs> handout. 
and Trammell. Like, what kind of, like, he's just making fun of the salute itself for the handout. Like, these are terrible graphics. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Something, <laughs> something, something that irritated. This is the worst flyer I've seen Something that irritated uh, James Trammell. Um, James went on to say that what, what happened next was an accident. I am inclined to not believe this. He reached in his bag, pulled out a pistol. Accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> and, um, accidentally discharged the gun at point blank range in Greg's face, which actually actually went through uh, Greg's mouth. Wow. Uh, Trammell said that in the amount of time that that happened, as Greg was dropping to the floor, he dropped his stuff and ran out the back window. Now this account, by the way, is this like what he's telling the police and they finally caught up to him? Yeah. These are the, this, the reports like... According to his, yeah, this okay. this this was later, kind of reminiscent stuff, yep. and then okay. some eyewitness accounts that were pieced together. Okay, uh, he he hit the tracks there behind Pruitt Street, and fled to Jonesboro, where he caught a train to Memphis. You talk about like he fled on foot. Yeah, it's a lot in the in a winter storm. Right. So he's terrified. He's and so like, there's... there's not good. No, right. And and there's some reports that uh, bloodhounds have been brought out to search for this guy east of town, which at that time was still largely wooded. Um, they didn't find him. Two years goes by. It's now mid-1911. We're in San Francisco. Trammell is living under an assumed name, working as a brake man for a San Francisco streetcar. For some unknown reason, his wife in San Francisco gives him up to police. Was this a woman he met like in California or is this a lady? We don't really know. We don't know. There, okay. <clears throat> there is some possibility that there was a wife from Clay County who has been removed from local family history. What is her name? Do we know? We don't know. Okay. So and that's problematic for folks like me. But, yeah. Um, so anyways, for some reason, Trammell and his wife get into it, and she spills the beans to the police. A long time and quite rough and tough uh, San Francisco detective named Arthur McQuaid gets on the streetcar finds out that this is, in fact, the guy from Arkansas and throws the handcuffs on him. Wow. Trammell doesn't give up any resistance, admits everything, and is convinced that at this point he's going to die. So he's like, yep, I shot him. Pretty much. It was an accident, but I did shoot him. Pretty much. You know, he was out of his element in San Francisco. Uh Big city coming from Greenway to San Francisco. A little different. Dealing with seasoned law enforcement men like Arthur McQuaid, who had, you know, dealt with the Chinatown Tong Wars and all sorts of stuff. I mean, this guy knew his stuff. And so eventually he's brought back to Paragold, lodged in the old courthouse jail, and escapes. And is the jail, just for those listening, is it um – is it was it standing near where the old courthouse is now, or is it was it in the old courthouse? That's it was kind of like 
abutted against. Okay, not okay. there anymore. No, but still no. same area. Correct. Yeah. Can I cut in? That, was this only recently? Well, I say recently in the last twenty years or so, torn down. It was on the well, back when the whole courthouse was stucco. They had all that stucco on right. it. It was still attached at that time. Uh, I'm not sure. Because that's where I took yeah. my driver's yeah. uh, test. It, 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 it would have looked at a place because it, it was just kind it of a, a block, okay. little chunk added to the yeah. side of the courthouse. But I, to your question of when it was brought down, I'm, I'm not Not sure. very secure, apparently. Right. So he's brought here, though, in 1911. Correct. And escapes, I think, from the help of his brother. Uh, wow. And was his brother a local guy? Uh, he was a druggist and coroner up in Clay County. Really? And then he's never heard from. A druggist? Like a pharmacist? Yeah, like a pharmacist. I'm sorry. Pharmacist and, slash coroner. Yeah, so he had he had some possible influence and some money. And after he escapes again, the whole matter seems to just drop. Yeah. Do we know anything about the escape? Like how that happened? No. There's, there's no not, information right No, that. not really. Just like, yep, he got away. Pretty much. And so that's kind of where the story takes a pause. And I feel like I need to give some kind of contextual background. Um, when I when I moved to Paragold in 2012, uh, some folks knew I had a background in, in history and, and publishing history back where I came from, which was Tucson, Arizona. And, and people kept kind of nudging me saying, hey, why don't you do something on Paragold? And I thought, well, it's not very interesting here. Nothing happened here. Mm-hmm. And finally, I got to digging around and came across this case. And through my previous work, which the balance of which is primarily dealing with borderlands, lawlessness, Earp era tombstone, all that stuff in and around Tucson, I have a, a very good acquaintance named Peter Brand out of Sydney, Australia, who is a, a well-known Earp historian. And so I started spitballing this. Earp. Correct, Wider. Yeah, yeah. yes. So I started spitballing this case with my friend Peter. Um, he's a dogged researcher. I was like, you know, I've got this, this murder that happened, and I've traced him all the way to San Francisco, and then this happened and that happened, and then he just drops off the face of the earth. And that kind of intrigued Peter. And ironically enough, or perhaps, you know, lucky enough, because of Peter's ability to flesh stuff out, he said, well, I found your guy Trammell. He was right here in Sydney. What are the chances? Correct. And he said, and his grandson is still living. And I've reached out to him. Wow. And... I thought, <laughs> You're what? Locked. you yeah, and so Ow. it took me it took me a minute to process all this. So we figured <laughs> out that we don't know the means of which Trammel got to Australia. You know, I assume he it could pro- not have been easy at that. No, point. I, I assume he probably traveled back to California and got on a ship and and sailed. He probably weeks later ended up in Australia. Right. He probably knew of these passenger lines going to Australia while living in San Francisco before. But his journey back to San Francisco and journey across to Australia remains a mystery. So anyways, uh, through Peter's help, I reached out to the family 
kind of explain myself. And, and there's no easy way to do that. There's no easy way to say, yeah. hey, I'm this guy from Arkansas and found your grandfather killed somebody. <laughs> uh, but that's basically what I said. I said, hey, you know, I found this interesting uh, stuff on your grandfather and would like to talk about it. <laughs> he immediately responded. Did you bring uh, up the murder right away? Or did you just say I found interesting stuff? No, I, I think I worded it something like a, a bar fight. Or something. He accidentally shot someone in the mouth. <laughs> we know he's actually a really good guy. I'm trying to prove his innocence. Um, so anyways, uh, Paul, uh, the, the grandson, uh, lives there in uh, Newcastle. Uh, I believe it's in New South Wales, Australia. And, and emailed me back and said, yeah, uh, my grandfather was James Henry Trammell. He wow. was a native of Arkansas. Wow. And we always knew that there was a problem that occurred in Arkansas but we never knew what it was. Oh. So there had been like He couldn't talk. stop talking about it or something. Yeah, there there, so like there was someone saying, guys, just so you know, I, I the reason I sound like I'm I don't sound like I'm from here. I get right. it. I sound a little redneck. Right. I'm from a place called Greenway. Daddy and grandpa got in a little trouble. Yeah, there were there were some <laughs> skeletons in the closet, but I don't think the family knew what. Perhaps the right. the, the wife did. Mm-hmm. Um but what did the you said it was the son or grandson? Grandson. What did he remember hearing? Uh, nothing, nothing in particular. Just no, that just, just didn't work out. That right. He knew, he knew yeah. his grandfather. And this, this makes for an interesting case study of how to navigate these types of stories with living descendants. Um, there was one, uh, living granddaughter who didn't want to hear it. Okay. And I respect that. You know, I, I don't mean to disparage the memory or the legacy yes. of her grandfather. Totally. But I'm also here to just present facts, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so through uh, Trammell's grandson, Paul Neary, I, I was able to flesh out his life in Australia. Um, he, the first time I really pick up on hard data on Trammell is in the early 1920s. By this time, he's poor. His brother back in Arkansas has died, so mm-hmm. I think... There was a money flow there. His brother had been helping him, but when his brother died, that was gone. Um, he had married a local Aussie girl, and they moved to Sydney. And Trammell had found work as like a laundry man for a local like school, mm. and he kind of had living quarters there at the school. And this is in a, a inner suburb called Glebe there in Sydney. And there's some interesting documents that kind of indicate Trammell and his wife and his very young family were very poor. And in Sydney, they called it an inquest. When we hear inquest here, we think of a, a death or something. But there, it's just an investigation. And this inquest talks about how Trammell bought out insurance on his furniture and left town. Well, that night he left town, the entire apartment caught fire Mm. and burnt. Accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. Mm. And so a few years later, he's associated with a guy named Sidney Tomo Thompson, a rough kind of, you know, inner city character. They get into a big bar fight there in Sydney. Wow. Where Tomo Thompson's jaw is broken with a padlock. Oh, boy. Uh, some years later, during World War II, Australia is rationing certain commodities, butter being one of them. 
there's a news report of uh, what they call a lorry or a truck, like a big truck, uh, which was stolen, full of butter. James Trammell is caught at a hotel as a fence for this butter. Come on, James. Um, And I I start piecing these things together, and I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know if he was really a bad guy. I think maybe aside from the shooting, he was just working to take care of his family. Mm. He was put in a hard position. And so having those types of conversations with his grandson and a few of his cousins that knew James, they knew him as an old man. I got to hear interesting stories about James, which is interesting for a historian because we don't normally ever get to get to know our yeah, subjects. That's right. And so during World War II, James would go down to the docks. And one of the stories I got was that through Paul, Paul remembered James would look for black sailors to invite back to the house. And I thought, well, why black sailors? And then I thought, well, maybe it wasn't black sailors. Maybe it was black sailors just happened to be from Arkansas. So maybe he was looking for folks from back home to come back and visit. Paul recalled his grandfather making really good pancakes. Mm. He always had bottles of Coke in the fridge for the grandkids. He had a really ornate and complicatedly built chicken coop in the backyard, a really established garden. And he was really known throughout his neighborhood in Sydney as being kind of a dapper guy. Dapper guy, really? So Paul would describe to me that even as an old man, he would walk down the street and, you know, imagine if we had an Australian guy here. People would be naturally attracted to that. There, he's got this southern drawl, chews tobacco, tips his hat to all the ladies. And so I get this totally different perspective on him that I normally wouldn't have had. And by virtue of that, I've built this kind of lifelong friendship with the family. Mm. Paul has come over here to Paragold and visited. Really? Uh, That was two years ago. Wow. Um, Wow. He visited the site of the murder. We went and found graves up in Clay County. Um, It was really... What do you mean graves in Clay County? um, Of Trammell's father's grave. Okay. Um, And... Are there any family members... uh, Left in Clay County? Well, there there's some trammels know. around the area. They don't know anything I don't, about any Yeah, of I assume they're somehow related one way or another. There's um there's another branch of the trammel line that became quite wealthy in this country there. So it would have been the son of James's brother, uh, became like a, a diplomat in Brazil. And right, it's a it's a very How interesting bizarre. story. And th- and that branch of the family lives off in in New York now. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that I think the core of that story is less about the murder and more about the unifying of of Perigold and Australia and how one one kind of simple oh man act 
changes everything. Can, you know, start a family on the other side of the world and, and all that. And it all started right here on Pruitt Street. Wow. 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 And that bizarre. Do we know anything about this Charlie character? Does anybody? It's like not much. He was, you know, if you remember, James in San Francisco worked as a brakeman for the streetcar. Ironically, Charles Gregg was a brakeman for the local railroad here, so the St. Louis Iron Mountain Railroad. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, I believe um, he was adopted. Um, by someone out of Cross County. Um, but other than that, I've had a very hard time. Do you know how old was he? Do you know? Uh, I, I don't know. Is that one of your favorite stories that you've uncovered with your history hat on? Um, I think it's favorite, maybe subjective. Um, I think it's definitely one of the hallmark stories. Yeah. I think, I think it's one of the more important stories. It is an important story, especially for those of us living right here in Paragould. I mean, it's crazy to think of. Uh, what was the, um, ah, what is her name? I want to say Zula. Zula Ward. Zula Ward. Um, I was in some reading on her. How did she tie into this story? Because she had, you, you would find this interesting, Robert, from, because from an aviation uh, mm-hmm. uh, perspective. What, what, how was she tied in with all this? So my perspective on Zula has changed since I wrote the book, um, the short answer is I don't know how she ties into this. Um, I believe she was a cousin of the Trammels okay. somehow. And initially I thought she was some sort of love interest with James. And I thought initially that could have been what helped precipitate the fight between Charles and James. Maybe Charles was messing with her. I mean, that's that's what I thought. Yeah. Some of the family in Australia was very adamantly against that. And what, what made me think this was in in James's possession when he died in the 1960s in Sydney was a picture of Zula Ward. And I thought, well, that's kind of bizarre. Like, who is this Zula Ward? And, you know, she was a, a Clay County girl. And there was reports of her being in California around the time he would have fled to Australia and witnessing some sort of aviation demonstration. This is early, you know, pioneering days of flight. Yeah. And, and she was like one of the first female pilots from Arkansas. Well, right? well she, she was able to get on and fly with a, an early aviator. I guess she had been watching this thing and, and I just thought, look, there's all these little circumstantial bits of evidence, and I can't tie them together, but I'm just kind of working under this assumption. You're curious, yeah. I'm curious. There's something there, but I can't put my finger on it, and that that bothers me. Um, and so, anyways, I, after I had first come out with the, the Trammell story, uh, I had talked with uh, an old lady. I don't remember if she lived here in Greene County or Clay County, but Zula Ward had actually taught her to play piano. Um, and that, again, an interesting, you know, direct connection to her. Uh, but, you know, all these people have passed on. We'll never know exactly what happened, why it happened. Um, so the best we can do is just present the facts as they are. And all of this came out because you started looking at some of the history of the city. 
Did you said it was like how it kind of started? Right. Did you ever find anything else? I know that's like the story that you're known for. It's the most famous one, but um, and that's the reason I wanted you to come on and tell that story because it's incredible. I wanted it captured somewhere. But is there any other bits of information that you found about Paragold that people just don't know about? Well, I'll tell you, <clears throat> the book the book you have in front of you um, is called Main, Main, Street, Main Mayhem. Street Mayhem, and and the subtitle is. Uh, something to the effect of of downtown Paragold. The when I uncovered the Trammell story, I started uncovering bits of violence throughout Greene County, and there was so much of it. But the problem is, is Greene County and Paragold historically, the folks here have been very poor record keepers. Hmm. So a lot of the stories are either anecdotal through newspapers or we just have bits and pieces so it got whittled down from a, a book about green county violence to a book about paragol violence to a book about downtown violence so tell me about that that's interesting i've not heard any of this before well it's, and frustrating. See it's forward about dan stidham yeah it, way, it, who we have not been able to get on the podcast we want to get in here and talk about the west memphis three mm-hmm. at some point it's 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 frustrating uh when when you have information at your hands but you don't have everything to put it together and i'm not normally used to that i'm I'm used to being able to chase records and and chase data down to, to tell a complete story um but with with a lot of the stuff here in paragold there was an era in the city before anybody here is alive sure where stuff was purged and because of that We've lost a lot of our history. Mm. As a historian, are you allowed, you're not allowed, I'm assuming, to like speculate or fill in the gaps on some of those things where information Well, I, I don't. There are some historians that do. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm pretty vocal about calling those out. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are some folks out there in this world that, that will, uh, like you said, kind of color in the pages. And that's, mm. that's not the right way to do it. What do you, I'm still hung up on this Main Street mayhem. What do you mean by violence? Like, what are the little things that was popping up that you're like, it's worth, that's book worthy? So, in the book, I talk about how Paragold was really no different than any other boomtown. Just because we're in northeast Arkansas doesn't mean that the same kind of social um, interplays that you saw out west didn't happen here. It happened later. You know, our boomtown didn't occur uh, at the same time as yeah, places like the west. 1800s. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, you know, the shooting with Trammell was 1909. This town was rocking and rolling then. Um, and a lot of the boomtowns and violence that we think of in the West had already played out. So um, I, th- I guess that's what I mean. You know, you talk about uh, alcohol or, or gambling-fueled fights, things like that. Um, it was kind of the same everywhere. It's kind of the same um, equation or what recipe. that made those boom towns? Were they basically outgrow? Were they growing so fast that they just didn't have the ability to keep up with it as far as from a police standpoint? Like, was it? I mean, what? Well, if you, if you look at, we'll use California Gold Rush boom towns as, a, as an example. You've got, and, and like you said, it's a good point. You've got a lot of men fueled by alcohol, fueled by gambling, 
with little to no law enforcement. And especially in places in the West where they were under either territorial or not even territorial governments, there was that kind of aspect to it also. Um, you know, Which what? is not a problem if you're bringing in like pretty good people. I guess, right? Like, right, and and that that's you know, a like common. You and I don't need the police to like keep right. us from getting a fight right now. It's Correct. like so. Like, what was it about these specific people who were settling in? Like, let's talk about Paragould. What was it about these people specifically that, like, was it the railroad? Like, the kind of people they were attracting that like was working on the railroad? Was it? I, well, I think it's just by virtue of the number of people that you get. Okay. You know, if if Paragould were to explode overnight by some a new virtuous industry, you know, and we had an influx of, uh, you know, 10,000 people come in, you're going to get, you know, undesirables. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to get normal, everyday, hardworking folks. Yeah. And I think that's that's a, a common misconception about any boomtown population is you have this kind of sepia-toned view of, well, everybody was bad, everybody was drunk, everybody was shooting and killing each other. You had an element of that society, but you also had the normal functioning parts of society in every town, regardless of boom town or not. So, you know, and I, I try to explain that in the book. That's too. fascinating. I definitely want to read this. You've got another, you've got sickness of heart here um, and West of hell. So three books, I guess if people want to, to grab these, any of your books, can they find those on Amazon? Where do they get those at? Yeah, they can find them on uh, Amazon. Um, uh, granted, the supply chain has kind of slowed up some of that stuff, so there's been some, I wouldn't say complaints, but just some comments about how Amazon has gotten slow with getting some of these books out. But um, and Don't expect it overnight. Correct. So you're a historian, you're an author, you're also the director of emergency management. Yes. Here in Paragould. What does that mean? Well, it depends on Excuse the day. Excuse my ignorance. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on the day. Um, <clears throat> so in a nutshell, uh, emergency management is your conduit for uh, state, federal resources to the local level in case of a disaster. Okay. So if we have flooding, tornado, earthquake. Ice storm. Ice storm. Mm-hmm terrorism, anything that overextends what we can handle locally, those resources from the state or federal government come through me. Okay. Okay. Um, Now, that's like worst case scenario. On blue sky days like today, it's uh, outreach, teaching people about earthquakes, teaching people about severe weather, teaching people about Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do a lot of administration. I say we, it's it's me. I'm a one-man shop. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, do a lot of administrative stuff. Uh, we work closely with the uh, 911 Center here in town, um, with all our partner agencies, both locally and at the state level. Um, so, like I said, it really just depends on the day. You know, I could have a very quiet day, and then I go home and something kicks off, and... Those partner agencies come together. It's very much a behind-the-scenes kind of job. Hmm. 
for all of our sakes. I hope that you continue to have more quiet days. I appreciate that. I do too. <laughs> yes. Um, is that what brought you here, by the way? You said you came here from Arizona or uh, no family. Okay. No. So um, I can give you that story. It's a long one, but I'll, I'll try to make it short. Um, my, my wife has lupus. Mm. And uh, I was born in Tucson and raised in Texas. I went back to Tucson for college. I went for archaeology. Oh, wow. And I worked in that field for a few years before the recession back in 08. Mm -hmm. When the recession hit, there was no need for building houses and all that, so there was no need for archaeologists. It was just kind of a cascading event. So I got into... Uh, geophysics, environmental science, and I became a, a safety manager for a geophysical exploration firm. And around that same time, my, my wife uh, started getting really sick with her lupus. Mm. And I thought, well, let's think about relocating to a more stable environment because Tucson is extremely hot. And she is originally from Missouri, and no offense to anybody from Missouri, but I didn't want to go back there. So I thought, well, how about how about Arkansas? My grandma's from Arkansas, and uh, what part? A little town called Ink. Okay, down in western part of the state. Okay, and uh, so we move back here. Actually, we we first we did a little traveling circuit of the state, and you got to understand, I was. I was ready to pull the trigger on whatever because I had to get my wife healthy. Mm-hmm. And we got to Paragold visiting and uh, found some property. I bought it right there. Wow. And so this was back in two th- early 2012. Um, and, and what attracted me to Northeast Arkansas was it was one of the few places in the country that seemed to not only survive but thrive during the recession. Mm-hmm. Um and so I... Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know, I think a lot of it is the type of industry that's here. Um, and I think doing the job that I do now, I think there's resilient people here. Mm. Um, and so anyways, my early years here, I got to know uh, Rusty McMillan, mm-hmm. county judge. Um, and at some point, uh, he discussed with me doing emergency management. And I said, Rusty, I don't know what that is. He, he knew about my background in, in mining safety. And I said, Rusty, that's not the same thing. Those, the apples to oranges. And he said, oh, you can learn it. I said, well, okay. So he brought me on, and I've been here ever since. Excellent, man. What do you like about Paragold now that you've been here? I tell you what I like about Paragold is we've got a lot here. But at 8 o'clock, everything shuts down. <laughs> it's a nice, quiet town. Mm. Uh, the people are amazing in this town. And after living in a town like this, I could never go back to a big city. Mm. You know, I go to Little Rock a lot for work. Um, and even that gives me some amount of anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, the traffic and stuff. Um, we live in a wonderful neighborhood. I've got two two kids uh we adopted them two years ago and we've got great neighbors um every 
everyone I meet who was a stranger 30 minutes ago, they become friends afterwards. And you don't, I know it sounds sappy and dumb, but it, it seems true in this town. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's a really good place to work. It's a good place to live. And it's a great place to raise your children. It's excellent, man. Yeah, great commercial. Well, well, like that well said. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, well, let's end here. Rapid fire questions. Ready for them? Sure. What is the last show that you watched or book that you read? Uh, I don't, or a movie, not a show. I don't get a lot of uh, chance to watch TV. Uh, I have been watching a show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. Okay. My daughter is autistic, oh. so I took a special interest in that. Oh, excellent, man. Have you ever heard of Mark Rober? No. YouTuber? I think you would love him. Uh, have you ever heard of Mark Rober? I don't guess. Oh, he's fantastic. He was an engineer for NASA by the time he was like 25, 26, but oh. he left, and now he has a YouTube channel. Basically, he's just like helping kids learn just physics and he's brought him on and brought a lot of awareness to it but anyways uh favorite band or just favorite song you know the only time i listen to radio is if i'm driving i listen to npr and if i'm writing i listen to a classical music station out of london oh. out of london yeah uh, it's some weird thing with me. I love it. I, I love fair. that. Who's your cl- favorite classical artist? Don't know. Okay. <laughs> just like you just music. turn it on. And just turn it on. Have it, it in the background. Yeah. You probably don't want to have to research any more than you have to as much as you do it. Right, well, so. I'll tell you, any, I think any historian or writer will tell you researching is the fun part. Mm. Writing is the hard, mm. boring, bad part. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and most historians will say, I'm, I'm really guilty of this we will put off writing mm. as much as we can because mm. that is where, you know, it's like as so- sooner or later you have to say, all right, we're going to, we're going to start doing this project. And you're like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. No. So a lot of my, about 15 hours of my, uh, work week is writing and I've uh, been doing it for 10 years and I'm not a, still not a big fan of it, but sometimes you gotta do it, you know? Um, what is your favorite meal? Um, I don't, know if I have a favorite meal, but um, coming from Tucson, Mexican food is my favorite food. Right on. What is on your nightstand right now? My e-reader. Your what? E-reader. E-reader. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Just an ordinary moment that brings you great joy. Talking with my kids after work. Excellent. Last question. What is one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? You want the sappy answer? or I want whatever's in your mind and your heart, man. I think um, being in the position that I'm in professionally as a mercy management and professionally as a historian, you know, I finally made it as a historian where I'm being paid every month for it, mm. a decent amount of money every month for it. It's no longer a hobby. Mm. It is a job. Um, and I take it seriously. Um, my kids, my wife is healthy. Mm. We've got a nice house. And if you would have asked the 18 year old Eric, uh, you probably would have gotten a different answer. Mm-hmm. But the adult dad, Eric, 
is content with these smaller things in life that just make it worth living. Awesome, man. Well said, and that is a fantastic place to end. And so, Eric, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. And Eric Wright has left the building. What do you think about that story, Robert? Uh, <laughs> it was That was so interesting. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah. I, I knew about the shooting, mm-hmm. but all <laughs> Australia, yeah. that's where I'm just that's like, That's when I get what? the curveball, right? Yes. Just that, when you think you know how it ends. I had, yeah, not a clue. That was something else. Um, and, and to take, I can't imagine how much time and phone calls and all that it must have taken to track all that down. So that's, that's a interesting work he's doing. Yeah. So yeah, come and check it out. I guess, right. Uh, really is like 50 yards from where we are here at the crossing. And so yeah, a bookkeeping solutions, the back of their building. That's we need to put up like a markdown. We should. That's a good idea. We may do it. That's a good idea. They got a picture of him out there. You oh, can, you can Google him. Yeah, James Trammell. Yeah, uh, Paragold. Anyways, they've got a picture of him. So okay, you check it out. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for coming on. And if you're still listening, thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, we're so glad to have you with us. If you want to, uh, we would encourage you. Please go give us a five star rating on iTunes. Um, that helps people to find us more quickly and learn about just incredible stories like we just heard and the amazing people who live here. Also, um, if you've not found us already, uh, we're on Facebook. Follow us. Give us a like there. We're also on Instagram as well. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.